Uh, all right, seeing as how I here am clearly the most scholarly person. Obviously, yes. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out what is... School? That's uh, groups of fish, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah there we Them go. fishes? Fishes eyes. Fishes ease. What were you going to ask? Uh, I, I, a question. Uh, spell schools. Yeah. What's your favorite? Sorry, no, not what's your favorite. What's the like the most useful one? Oh, the most useful one is necromancy. Is it though? Like it's 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 really Depends useful on the when setting it's useful. You're in. Yeah, it's really useful when it's useful, but necromancy is all the healing spells. It's always useful. In a standard like this world, illusionary magic would be the best. What do you mean this world? Like just like, like human world right human now, world not illusion? fantasy world where you're killing monsters every week. Well, yeah, we're about to do that with AI. We don't need exactly illusionary magic is the easiest and. I, I don't know. I mean, I think enchantment magic is the most powerful. Also the most evil, but the most powerful. It has the potential to be the most evil. The way I would use it, it is the most evil. And you would there. use fireball for good? Yeah. Yeah. Bullshit. You, you're not, you, you, you don't even have a straight face when you're saying that. No. Good to me. <laughs> Dave, what's your, what's your spell? I'm not talking about the good for the masses. I'm talking about good for my fire. Uh, evocation. Yeah. <laughs> Clear, clearly evocation. Uh, I mean, I'm, not, I'm out in the woods enough. If I could just be like... You know, snap, there we go, have fire. Uh, that's that's the most useful one for me. And you'd also be able to snap, there you go, have ice, so you'd be able to, like, all of your hunting kills would immediately be preserved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would actually be super useful. Yeah. Any idea how many times we have to, like, forgo a day of hunting to make that trip into town to get more ice? Right? Because, like, you need, right? Yeah. So. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah. Welcome to the It's a Mimic podcast, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another It's a Mimic episode, where we continue our conversation on lore in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. I'm Adam, and with me today are Dave and James, and this episode is called Strixhaven, Schooling Your Players. In this episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, this panel of Dungeon Masters will focus on one of the most specific and different settings in which to play a campaign, the Wizard School of Strixhaven. Before we jump into this, I want to ask, would you guys be interested in playing a campaign set in high school? Mm, let's roll dice. I had a 13, but you knocked me to a 5. I got a 3. Or 17. Yeah, talk to yourself then. Um, not in high school, no. I would do a college setting, not in high school. It's the same issue I have with anime. When it's set in a high school setting, you're playing characters, especially as most people have parties. They're murder hobos. They Half the party tries to seduce anyone that walks past them. That's not appropriate for a high school setting, if you ask me. Throw it in college, it at least makes it a bit better. I don't see high school being appropriate for most campaigns. Bear, Dave? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't want to play here at all, but I, like, I can see how some people would, like... The idea of Dungeons and Dragons is to appeal to everyone, and that includes children. Let's give maybe high school kids an opportunity to insert themselves into that world in a magical setting. I think it's kind of neat, but not for me. The high school, no. Just, just, just no. I just absolutely would not want to play in high school. I watched, uh, yeah, I don't remember what it was. It was on Funny or Die or College Humor or one of those things that was, um, uh, Brendan Lee Mulligan was doing some like uh, wizarding academy thing. Sat down with Charlie and watched a bunch of that shit. And it was set in high school. And it was neat, but it was very fucking homebrewed. And it was low stakes and I didn't care. And it was like, when the fight breaks out in the cafeteria, you have to fight. It's the 
spaghetti monster. It's not the fucking ooze or whatever that you would normally fight. Like, everything needs to be reflavored to bring it down to that level. So I'm with you guys. I wouldn't play in high school. Fortunately, Strixhaven is a university. And it's meant for university students. However, what that means is never really clear because in most medieval settings, like you're an adult by the time you're 16, so it's kind of high schoolish anyway. And it's got a lot of like boarding school feel to it and Harry Potter feel to it, so it's a lot. Yeah, you're not walking to school every morning. You're there to stay and learn and and. Yeah, and you also have the like, the it's not called this, but you know how Harry Potter is the four houses. Yeah. Right, like you select which one you're a part of, and it it's just naturally going to get that flavor, that high school level of I'm cavorting around with other students. Well, everything's gonna... cliquey, right? Yeah. yeah, and so anyway, let's uh, before we jump any further into this, I'm going to cut to an ad break. We've previously covered quite a bit in our discussion on player options in Fifth Edition. For all of those episodes and more, you can follow or subscribe at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and dozens of other podcast apps. And if you'd like to support us, you can donate through the website, check out our store, or join our Patreon and get access to other episodes and series. If you'd like to pay for some ad space on It's Mimic, or just send a shout out to a friend, please reach out to us through our email and website that are listed in the show notes below. Happy All Saints Day. I hope everybody's recovered from the sugar rushes and copious amounts of alcohol that we all consumed last night or the previous weekend. But let's all settle in now so you guys can get a proper update because I know I've been a little bit vague and cagey about what uh, what we've been up to for the last couple of episodes in these little info updates. So here's what we've been doing. First of all, uh, on the Patreon... We've added uh, quite a bit in the last week. We finally caught up on the Pantheon, the second episode of the Pantheon, which came out a couple of uh, days late. But that one focused on creation myths, and it looks like this Pantheon discussion is going to be a little bit longer than I had originally anticipated, and is going to be kind of an ongoing series for the better part of, uh, of, well, quite a few months, maybe even a year, because there's a lot to talk about when it comes to gods and whatnot. So uh, that was for all Silver Tier patrons. Um, of course, the campaign builder for Copper Tier is uh, just chugging along doing its own thing. We were discussing aberrant horror in the land of the giants and what, uh, not just the like aberrations and, and that kind of, of horror, but like body warping and, and body horror, a lot of that. So I sat down with Kyle and we had a good conversation about that for the campaign builder. Uh, and also there was a bonus episode that came out where Mieka and I sat down and talked about the aberrant horrors that exist uh, as actual, like, monster stats. I don't know if you guys know this, but there are six horrors. One of them isn't an aberration, but there are six horrors scattered across kind of the lesser-known books. They're all really evocative, and you could customize a bunch of them, and so we talked about that as well as me going off on a couple tangents about uh, horror movies. So that's what's sitting over on the Patreon that's been dropped there in the last week or so. We've also done a great big push leading up to Halloween as well. The very first thing that we did was uh, we dropped one of the Great Worm episodes that you guys should have seen on the regular channel, where Andre and I sat down and we went over, I, I think we were supposed to go over five, but we ended up doing like five and a half uh, dragons about how, what we would do to spruce up their stat blocks to make them feel more unique and more evocative. If you guys haven't checked that out, it's definitely worth a listen to. So we kind of talk about dragon design and how to make them more than just what's available in the books. 
We also dropped four undead episodes. The ladies have been popping off this week. We did uh, Thursday, Friday, and Monday, Tuesday, leading up to Halloween here. So we've covered notable undead from Eberron and Ravnica. We talked about revenants and sword wraiths in one of them. Death Knights with a huge spotlight on Lord Soth. And then uh, the last one that came out yesterday was all about Grim Reapers and uh, kind of what's available. That includes a little bit of a rant about the deck of many things. Also, leading up to Halloween, I managed to sit down with Pepperina and take a good long look at the series Buffy the Vampire Slayer as well as its spin-off Angel because we received 22 questions about it. This is the third time that we've had a movie series that has been like a spotlight. We did, well, movie or TV, we did Game of Thrones, then The Mummy, and now Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If you guys want us to keep covering movies and kind of tangentially how they they can impact Dungeons and & Dragons and our methods of thinking as DMs, we can absolutely keep answering these questions. Feel free to send us mailbag questions either through the subreddit, email us directly, you can find all of our information, or just use the uh, basic form that's available on the website, uh, or you can drop us a direct DM through any one of our social media accounts. And then finally, yesterday, we also dropped the annual look at Warlock patrons, which has been kind of an ongoing theme for Halloweens, where we break down a couple of different patrons or options that Warlocks may want to want to use. We kind of saved the weird ones for last, and these are the last ones that we'll be covering, because I don't believe that we'll be releasing any more Warlock patrons or Warlock subclasses uh, in 5th edition at all, at least not before the 1D&D launch. So this one managed to cover Hexblades, which we were long overdue talking about. We did a big spotlight on the Raven Queen, and uh, Peps and Megan gave me a lot of shit about that, actually. Uh, we touched on Archfey, and then we compared Undying versus Undead, because Undying was released in Sword Coast Adventures Guide, and then Undead was kind of the revamp of that in Van Richten's, I believe. And so they're very similar in theme, and nobody has ever come right out and said, hey, look, we reprinted this, because the mechanics are, are different, uh, but the themes are very much the same. As a matter of fact, the example Undead that they discuss as there's quite an overlap uh, in the lists of examples. So anyway, we dug into that quite a bit, including a little rant on uh, Cast the Bloody Handed as well, which some of you Vecna fans will recognize. Some of you Stranger Things fans might recognize as well. So anyway, it's been it's been big. It's been fun. This week uh, on the It's a Mimic podcast beyond Halloween, we've obviously got this episode that we're talking about today as well as another episode that, that we've dropped here on the public channel about uh, the latest Planescape book, where I sat down with uh, Blast from the Past to go over kind of, I think, what I believe to be the last campaign setting that we're going to get in 5th edition. We're also going back to the very first adventure that was released for 5th edition, the first full adventure uh, book, and that's going to be released on the Patreon tomorrow for all of the bronze tier patrons and above. And then on Friday, after that, patrons can also look forward to a weird little bonus rant that I happened to have one of the other regular DMs uh, at my place, and we started talking about uh, different options to be used when exploration starts to get boring, especially when you're exploring like a house or a manor or a castle, and there's not a whole lot of combat that pops up. So how do you keep things rolling and keep new players especially interested in the exploration pillar so that we ended up on just kind of a weird little side rant and it occurred to me 
you know, early on in it to turn on the mic. And so that's going to be dropped as a bonus episode as well. So we've got a lot of stuff going on. It's been a crazy couple of weeks uh, as far as editing and stuff goes. And uh, we're happy to get back into the regular rhythm. This episode, I know, is uh, out a day late, but I just didn't want to flood everybody's podcast apps with like 25 episodes all at once. I just feel like we're going to inundate you guys with too much of my voice. And nobody needs that. So, anyways, let's get back to the episode. So, there are lots of different kind of famous magical schools that exist out there. Um, There's Hogwarts from Harry Potter series, the Unseen University and Discworld. The School of Magic on Roke Island from the Earthsea Cycle. uh, Balam Garden from Final Fantasy VIII. There are all sorts of different magical schools at different various levels. Uh, In D&D, we get the mysterious unnamed school where Hobgoblin Devastators go to learn magic. Uh, There's Sorcerer in Menzo Berenzan, which is where Drow Mages are taught in the Underdark. Um, In Eberron, we get both Arcanics, and uh, that's in Undare, and the Morgrave University in Sharn. Even Wildmount is home to the Soltrice. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Internet's going to yell, but the Soltrice. Soltrice. Yep, sure, that one, Academy. Um, but there's a long history of actual, like, magical schools and being taught magic from, um, like, grand wizards and stuff, but the majority of it's actually, like, being taught by the devil. Um, and this is very, like, folklore and early Christian myth. Um, you know, you're not going to find this in the Bible, but you're going to have, like, the Catholics are going to whisper about this in the Vatican and shit. We got the devil that taught magic to an Icelandic priest, uh, in the, what's called the Black School. And also Pope Sylvester II in the cave at Salamanca. Um, there was the Skolomance in Transylvania lore, which is tied to Bram Stoker and the devil. People think it's a real place that Bram Stoker went to go learn and researched about it in order to write Dracula. And then um, for those of you that are up to date on your Sword in the Stone, Arabian Nights, H.P. Lovecraft, there's also the Wizard School of uh, Dom Daniel. Which yeah yeah we're just not. How have we not used that yet, Dom Daniel? Because he he would be sub Daniel, and we all fucking know it. Um, but while wizards go to schools and universities and bards go to colleges, there hasn't been a whole lot of information about wizarding schools in stock fifth edition until Strixhaven was ported over from Magic: The Gathering. So we got a whole book, but by a whole book, the uh, Curriculum of Chaos. We didn't get a whole book. We got 40 pages, well, 25 pages of, hey, guys, this is the the setting. And then, like, 12 pages, 15 pages, maybe, of how to build characters specifically for the setting. Then 140 pages of, here's an adventure. And then 40 pages of, here's a bunch of monsters, right? So the actual setting itself, less than 30 pages. Not a whole lot to do. And yet, we're going to milk an entire episode out of it, so... Yay. <laughs> Back uh, up. The best part of this book, and I have had the fortune of reading through it um, for the past week, the best part of this is the world building at the beginning. There's oh, a lot of... say the art. <laughs> well, the art's pretty good. It's it's late enough in the game that the art's solid. Yeah. Um, a lot of the early books are just kind of like iffy on their art, or they use a lot of recycled shit, but this, this is pretty good. Also, it's all Magic the Gathering art. So it's a step above because all of their cards have really solid, good art. The other thing to keep in mind about this is that it introduces um, a couple new magical feats that have to be a part of your background. Um, There's the idea of 
Um, Alan are now a thing, so more flying characters as well. Sorry, did you say Alan? Owlin. Oh, excellent. Owlin. More bird people. More bird people. Specifically owls. More bird people. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and honestly, when I sat down to look at this book, I thought, I, okay, in all, in all honesty, it's been about a hundred episodes since we said, hey, we should do Strixhaven. And I keep looking at it going, I don't fucking want to do Strixhaven. That is boring as shit, and I do not want to do Harry Potter the game. Um, but cracking it open, I found there's actually a lot of really neat stuff in there that I'm going to pull out little bits and pieces of. Um, and it might actually be fun for the right group. I am not the right group. So I'm going to try to stay neutral. I'm sure you two are going to shit all over it. because I have never had negative opinions before. Not in my life. Yep. All right. Cool. So obviously the target audiences here are student and teacher groups, right? Like, hey, I've got a bunch of grade 10 students. This is a good, like, noon hour club. I know there are a lot of schools that have D&D clubs that run either during, like, lunch break or free blocks or after school. Um, Most of them are run by teachers, which is really cool. And kind of like a glimpse at what going off to college or university. Yeah, that I can get that that would appeal to some people. Young players who are new to the game are going to find a lot of fun stuff because it's a familiar setting. They're going to be able to navigate through this pretty easily where they might not be able to navigate pirates on trade routes. You know, if they don't have a solid history of, you know, naval combat. <laughs> <laughs> As all, all us older people do. Yeah, clearly, know. yeah. Uh, well, this is why I won't do pirates with, uh, with Dave or Terry because they will fucking school me on it. Yeah, you cross the T and it's done. You don't look it up. It's fine. Naval stuff. Cross the T? Yeah, you'll see. It's fine. Google it later. All right. All right. I'm like, pie rails? If I don't cross the T? That's like a... No. No? <laughs> all right. Um, there are also a bunch, a bunch of actual plays out there um, where it's set in a high school and it's been like heavily modified D&D to be in a high school or a college or a school setting. And I'm sure that people would love to like recapture that feel and style. Um, if you're all about that, more power to you. And I think it would be a lot of fun for younger people as well. I know that Casey runs D&D for like her young niece and nephew who are like 12, 13 or whatever. And Peps runs it often for her kids. Yeah, Strixhaven makes sense. It's a good place to get inspiration. There are lots of different plot hooks that you can have, but, but some of the reasons for playing in a school setting outside of the actual storylines themselves is that you get a rigid adherence to location which means a narrative can be slowly revealed and you can teach it to people because you're kind of stuck in one area you get to explore it more and get a little bit deeper into it if that actually appeals to you um the party has an excuse to get together frequently sometimes people struggle to keep the party together hey go to class is a good way to keep them together Mm-hmm. Um, there are social hierarchies and clear boundaries that have to be followed. Um, and there are built-in consequences and stakes all around, even if the stakes are low. The Harry Potter franchise is love-hate as I am with it, and I don't like talking about it these days, but they're a great example of how you can raise the stakes in the background of a school setting. So, before we get any further into it, I've got a couple questions. Let's roll dice. Four. Ten. Also Four. Damn it, I was at an 11. 16. Well, I ended up at a 1. All right, so James, again, you're going first. What is one, I know that you're already like, I don't give a shit. What is one additional reason that you have to convince people to give a magical school setting a chance? Um, world consequences, I guess. 
that you need to learn a spell or get something from that school or that's the only place to get it, mm-hmm. which would force them into that setting. It's the only reason I would be willing to go into that setting. That's fair. And even then, I wouldn't spend a semester there. I'd just go steal what I needed and get out. <laughs> Burn it to the ground. Sounds about right. Yeah. 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 Uh, you were like... You were like a librarian's worst nightmare with your with your pyromaniac. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hey, if they digitize it, they don't have to worry about it. There's no. All right. Never mind. Dave. So, so what's the question? How to sell this? Yeah. Um, I would probably sell this as a, a good entry level for a DM because it kind of gives them a built-in in-world mechanism to DM magic their way through things. Mm-hmm. When you've got a Dumbledore or I hate using the Harry Potter, but it's it's right there, you know. Yeah. When you've got the the headmaster. That can just make your spells not happen and has that air of superiority and can give you these messages and stuff. It's like the, the teachers are a great tool. The background characters, the history of the school, it's like it's, it's right there. It's easy to go. And that's kind of my big thing as well is if you want to explore the role playing or the exploration pillars, a school setting is ideal. Yep. If you want light on the combat, Heavy on the relationship building. If you want to flesh out a who are my classmates and all that. Not only is the school setting good, Strixhaven, actually the book itself, is fucking solid for that. They do that really well. Fleshing out characters and how to think about NPCs too. They do a little bit different. I'll get into that later. James, do you have a unique plot hook or scenario for playing a game in a magical school? Nothing unique. Most of the stuff that would draw you in kind of has been done. Either you're after a MacGuffin or you're the chosen one. That's this, some mystery. Someone's yeah. gone missing. Somebody something petrified. has done a thing, and you need yeah. the thing to solve the thing. Yeah. Hopefully, your studies have given you the tools you need. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you could even go back to like a Freddy Krueger kind of thing, right? Like that's. He was in a school, and you got to go in there and destroy it, right? He was a ghost haunting it. That's something you could work on out of mm-hmm. out of the, the school, right? Because, uh, I mean, that's got magic written all over it. That's Yeah. Um, I mean, like, ghost magic, but... Uh, look, I'm a big fan of, like, horror shit in D&D, so yeah. Yeah. Um, I would definitely run a short four-month campaign going through a magical school because that would be the background for not only... All of my characters have one level in wizard to be able to whatever, right? So you're tied to the school. Um, But all the players get to see what it is ahead of time because, I don't know, the university blows up at the end or uh, a professor becomes a giant lich bad guy or something that spirals out afterwards, right? So I like the idea of doing a locker check and finding that everybody's metaphysics textbook has gone missing. (laughs) Where do they go? Into the metaverse. (sighs) All right, let's uh, let's jump into Strixhaven itself, though. So Strixhaven is a university with a campus located in the world Arcavios. According to what I could find, Arcavios is the result of two worlds colliding together, whatever that means, and that results in a large area around the school being incredibly diverse and multicultural. The idea here is that Arcavios is a massive setting. We don't explore it. There's okay. a couple of details about it, but the whole setting, Strixhaven, everything about it, on campus hard stop. Okay, so this like exists in its own little plane kind of thing? Uh, well, Arcavios was, I don't know if two worlds collide mean the two planets hit each other, 
or one world phased into another. Let me get into it. It's a little confusing. You'll understand here in a sec. Doubt. Uh, <laughs> one of the interesting things about Arcavios is that it also has the weave, as explained in other 5th edition lore, but the weave here can sometimes get tangled and bunched up in places. These places are called snarls, and they affect magic in bizarre ways. Now, Strixhaven is a full university with an entire campus, and there are five specialized colleges within it. Um, and I'll be touching on that in a little bit. But the general gist is that five dragons founded the University of Strixhaven at a place where a couple of these snarls can be found. One snarl glows brightly in the Hall of Oracles in the Biblioplex, which is the Strixhaven's library. Over the Biblioplex is also uh, a star arch called the Dawn Bow. Bow being like a bow and arrow. Um, now, star arches are essentially magical mysteries. It just exists as lines of floating elemental material and starlight that radiate out to form what looks like a gigantic arch. They don't necessarily go directly 90 degrees to the ground. They can be at whatever angles. This one is 90 degrees. Um, some people think these arches have helped inspire and guide them when they feel lost on a problem or they're having trouble with a major event in their lives. No one knows what they are, but some people think that they're linked to another thing um, that's unique to Strixhaven called the Archaics. Um, Archaics are gargantuan celestials that look like if a multi-armed colossus came to life uh, to be keepers of magical lore and pass wisdom to mortals in the form of metaphor. So it's hard to really understand what they're telling you, but they are trying to help. They've been around since the dawn of Arcavios, and they move throughout the landscape for reasons only they know. I mentioned that the colleges at Strixhaven were all founded by dragons, and those dragons still exist today. They're just, and like, we get stat blocks and names and stuff. They just do not get involved. They work together, though, to name an oracle, who is actually just the wisest and most powerful mage uh, who can lead mortals on their magical journeys and keep magic operating in the name of good. That's the leader of the school. When the oracle, when the oracle dies, a new oracle is appointed. What most people don't know is that each of the Archaics is actually the mind and spirit of an oracle that's been called back in time to the moment of their death to ascend to the next form of existence and guide Strixhaven. So, they die in the present, and their mind and spirit go all the way back to when these two worlds collided, and they became an Archaic, who, as far as everyone knows, has just always existed. Okay. So, Archaics can be killed... But they do have legendary actions and all sorts of nonsense that raise them up to a CR 18 um, at the back of the book in, Strix, in Strixhaven. So we don't get much more about the realm of Arcavios. Most of the rest of our information is about the school itself. Um, essentially, it is the surrounding area we know is a multicultural urban setting. However, the map we get of Strixhaven makes it look like it's out in the middle of fucking nowhere, too. So, like... I think that it's this university with these huge boundaries all the way around it. And then beyond that is like a massive metropolis or a series of cities beyond. The basic premise of Strixhaven is that it's a location of study and the focus is on magic. But unlike Hogwarts, it actually teaches other things too, like math and shit. I'm going to turn that off. Super professional. Well, that was one of those Discord messages. So which one of you listeners just interrupted us? Yep. Probably Kyle. You too can interrupt a recording if you subscribe to the <laughs> Patreon. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. You're doing a bang-up job. I'm working on it. Pay me. So, um, 
the idea here is that, yeah, it can focus on things like it teaches languages and, and math and geography and other shit as well, but it always has a magical bend on it. So all of the teachers and faculty are members, um, uh, are mages to some degree. History teachers summon undead to help with lessons. Mage artists sculpt and create art with elemental energies. Biology is taught using necromancy magic to learn about life and death. And on top of regular language studies, there are symbologists who teach runes and glyphs. You going to say it there? No. You know that guy can say it? Symbolism. There it is. Yeah. Uh, when a teacher begins their career at Strixhaven, they have a probationary period where they're merely an instructor. At the end of this period, they're evaluated and either let go or promoted to professor. Almost all the professors are also working on a side project at the school because they're all hunting for the elusive title of esteemed professor, which is given after 20 years or so to the best teachers and researchers. So they're always working on some sort of side project for research, really for clout and acclaim more than anything else. Uh, it kind of tracks with wizards though, right? Yeah. And professors in real life, yeah. yeah. Uh, when a professor retires, they get the title Mage Emeritus, which means that they can come back as guest lecturers and are given the utmost respect. Besides teachers, there are lots of other people employed at Strixhaven. Administration, laborers, clerks, coaches, counselors, chefs, custodial staff, and more. This workforce is overseen by ten deans. Two for each college. And two for each college is very specific for a reason. A meta reason and a not meta reason. I'll get into that in a second. Um, these deans use their abilities to debate and argue to help guide the school. Debate and argument are key tools at Strixhaven. James, you'd fucking love it. And they are used to guide people to see other points of view and work together, even if they hold strong opinion and unwavering philosophy. So we may be completely opposite in what we think about this, but if we argue enough, we might find a new truth about it. And anyone listening might be inspired to go do something cool. So debates and just will just break out all over the campus at any given time, and we'll often go late into the night. Occasionally, though, the deans are not going to be able to agree on a topic, and a director who speaks for the founding dragons will step in. The director is known as the voice of the founders and has final say on important matters, but for the most part, the voice of the founders and the founder dragons themselves stay out of daily life and school business and are just kind of figures in the background. You could go your whole career without ever meeting any of them. When it comes to the curriculum, there are more than just subjects to learn in school. Each college focuses on a dichotomy of ideas like life and death, order and chaos, etc. And after finishing year one of general studies, every student has to choose which college they want to go into. The idea here is that the student will have to embrace both ideals and will probably end up in many long and passionate philosophical arguments over their school career. Choosing a college comes with its own benefits, of course. You get a background for your D&D character, uh, which provides a couple of skill proficiencies, a tool proficiency, an additional language, some university equipment, some basic spells, and like one trait. Standard background shit, but it's a little bit more magical than that because you also get a feat called Strixhaven Initiative, uh, Initiate. And we actually cover this on the feats episode, the magical feats episode. Uh, this allows you to choose a couple of college-specific cantrips and a first-level spell. There are also personality traits to add to your character sheet and a handful of trinkets that actually aren't bad to mine as random low-impact magic or mundane items. They're, they'll get like D6 tables. They're pretty good. I'll, I would compile them all and hand them out anytime someone's like looting a body. What do you find? Paper that can't get wet. 
Like, it can, but it's just resistant to being wet, and it's essentially waterproof. Sure. That's cool. Someone might like that. It's understood that very few people can truly master the concordant opposition of the philosophies for each college. And really, only the Founder Dragons, Archaics, Oracle, and other long-lived and very wise graduates will ever truly grasp the depths of the symbiotic and synergistic nature of a duality, but there is still a lot to be learned from it, and so that's what all of Strixhaven is about. You embrace kind of one overall college that is broken into polar opposites, and you struggle between the two. In the second year of school, each student must choose a college, like I said. Each college has two deans, and each dean assigns two professors to act as counterbalance counselors who will work together to help guide each specific student. So not every student gets the same two counselors. And as a matter of fact, a lot of the times, like, you won't know anyone else that has the two counselors you do. They don't necessarily have to come from your college. They just have to be in opposition to each other. Sure. The point of this is to encourage the students to learn wisdom while they navigate pieces of advice that don't mesh together well or may even be in conflict with each other. If one person says go west and the other says go east, you have to make a choice and then determine whether or not that fucked you up and you listen to the right wisdom. So um, it's by exploring these philosophies that, from both sides in their own way that each student will end up with a unique education that only they will experience. Some students dive headlong into their college, focusing only on studies that apply to their ideals. Some students will choose up to a third of their classes to be from other colleges. Either method of education is supported by the faculty and other students alike. It's not uncommon for either. Most students stay the minimum of four years at the university, but many Strixhaven students stay longer so they can hone their skills. When they do leave, they tend to serve their communities with the magic they've learned, travel the multiverse to learn new information, teach at the school, or join the Founder Dragons as an elite guardian force called Dragon's Guard. The last entities to talk about at Strixhaven University are the mascots. These mascots are embodiments of magic that are created by not only the professors, but the students themselves as well. Uh, they are thinking creatures, but they don't communicate. They're pretty low on the totem pole as far as intelligence goes. Um, and they're free to roam around and act as companions for students, assistants for teachers, even being used to help with labor, become a target of an example spell, defend the school and its, and its inhabitants in moments of combat, and even being game pieces in a kind of like capture the flag called Mage Tower in the stadium. So these things just kind of feel like robots you can do whatever you want with. Yeah, except it's not necessarily a construct. Like one is a monstrosity and one is a elemental. and, and I get... One could be a glowing orb of light and one could be a thing of ooze. Whatever your whatever your college is, which one of the five you choose, it's always the same thing for that college. So there are five different kinds of mascots. Okay. Right? And because they're essentially used as as part of the magic study and, and instruction, they will straight up kill, kill the mascots sometimes just to be like, hey, so this is what death looks like. Boom. Right? Or, hey, we're going to dissect this thing to figure out the inner workings of that the mascots are also potentially good friends of, of some of the students and might follow them around. But there are dozens and dozens and dozens of them. And if the students feel lonely or they need help practicing a spell, they can make their own. Okay. You actually get this as a feat at higher at fourth level. So it sounds more like a tutor and an assistant than 
the you know classic mascot you think of. There's yeah, there's, there's no foam head or anything. Yeah. Yeah, no, none of that shit. So, so do we have any questions so far about the overall nature of Arcavios or Strixhaven? Nope. Not really. No. All right, it's pretty straightforward. But now we're going to get into the details of it. Um, Hold on, that wasn't the details. Oh shit, no. Jesus. We've got five colleges to go through. I didn't even go to one college. <laughs> you drove through one once. I actually sat in on a lesson that Buddy was going to one time. I was visiting him at college. Did it hurt? No, I actually took a lot more notes than he did. He also flunked out of that college. What was the topic? What was the class? Uh, Greek history, and it was on the, the uh, table of Dionysus. Nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody needs a good you know, wine and orgy lesson, right? That's where I learned. <laughs> Um, college. College! <laughs> <laughs> so, the campus for Strixhaven is actually six campuses. One for each of the colleges, and the central campus, that's the main hub for everything shared. Um, like the stadium, biblioplex, dining halls, admin buildings, common gathering places, generic classrooms and labs, detention halls, and housing for first-year students. The roads, stonework, monuments, gardens, lawns, and everything else are well-maintained and very beautiful at this central campus. And the large shuttles that look like carriages that are drawn by, like, automaton horses, they run between the campuses and important locations on a pretty much hourly basis. But if you want to walk, it usually takes a half hour to get from one campus to another. The map belies this when you when you see it. Like, it's a long fucking hike um, from one campus to the next with, like, these huge roads. But if you were to just walk through the spaces in between... You're out in nature for probably the better part of a day. There are also permanent teleportation circles and portals available, but they're for unusual or necessary immediate travel. Also, the portals are a bit unreliable because they don't always work, or they don't necessarily send you to exactly where you want to be. So that one's a bit of a crapshoot, and you only use them when you're desperate. Oh, I think I could have some fun with that. Shenanigans abound. Uh-huh. Um, the heart of the whole campus is the Biblioplex, which I've mentioned a few times. I really keep thinking you're going to say Bibliotech every time. I know. Yeah. I know. So Same. There are a bunch of hilarious words in here that are really flavorful, and I love them. And they it's probably my favorite aspect of this whole setting. Uh -huh. Biblioplex is the tip of the iceberg. Anyway, it's a massive library and repository for artifacts and tomes of knowledge. And nearly every surface inside is a barely organized space for books to be haphazardly jammed in. It's massive enough to have its own weather patterns, and some of the archives can only be accessed by boat because there's so much water that's accumulated. So, this belies the idea of, hey, you could walk a half hour from campus to campus. No, this thing is so fucking massive, it has weather. Returns to my point, they need fire in the library. <laughs> James? If there's water enough to need a boat, you need fire enough to be a fireball. That's just science. Yep, that's... Yep, science it is. Moving on. Dave, calm down. Spreading out <laughs> from the Biblioplex are five large roads marked by frequent beacon towers that run down the centers of the roads and light the passageways with magical, ever-burning flames. So these are actually super tall and super bright, um, and there's no place of shadow at all along these roads. The roads and their beacon towers run into the hearts of the five other campuses and beyond out into the surrounding communities, and it's supposed to be like a metaphor for how our knowledge pushes out beyond Strixhaven itself and our time here. There's a large open area behind the Biblioplex where a smaller version of the Donbo Star Arch hangs in the air over top. 
It's a popular meeting place for activities, social gatherings, and even going on dates. There's also the Fire Jolt Cafe, which is open 24 hours and uses fire magic to brew coffee for students who study and socialize inside. I would love to have magical fire coffee. That, that speaks to me. There's also a tavern nearby where older students eat pub food, catch live shows, and drink potions and unspecified beverages. Also, there's an empty space behind the tavern where people duel with magic to settle arguments. There's a lot of conversation about dueling and no rules about it. It just says people can duel here, people duel here, they will settle arguments with duels here, and it never tells you what the rules are or the in-world, like, etiquette around it, so you kind of get to make that shit up on your own. Yeah, you just get to duel it any way you want. <sighs> so, the book, Strixhaven, A Curriculum of Chaos, is absolutely chock-full of NPCs and flavorful characters, but I'm not going to spend any time on them. If you want to run the adventure, you'll need to know all of them, but for the most part, it's just another repository for cool names, like the manager of the tavern, who's an orc named Tulk the Bulk Tusktooth. Tulk the Bulk. Tulk the Bulk. It's shit like that. Um, there's also some, uh, like, elementals and different mascots that have, you know, been around for so long that they're, like, fixtures here at the school, and all sorts of instructors and teachers and staff and students and... There's just a lot going on. Before we jump into the separate colleges, overall, how do you guys feel about this compared to other magical schools you've had in the past? Does this interest you? Is it better or worse? Candid opinion. Nah, it's nothing special. It's the same as most others. Like, Kids with Brooms I've tried. Very similar. Um, yeah. Similar to Harry Potter's story. Most magic schools, it's very... Follows the same kind of line, so... It's nothing unique, it's nothing special, but it is a good start for a new DM or new players that are younger. You've done a lot of anime yeah. in, in your life. Magic schools are a thing yeah. in anime. It is it like this is just same thing. Yeah, yeah. more run of the mill More run of the mill yeah. magic school crap. Dave, how do you feel about it? I, this is not for me. I think that it is going to a very particular audience. Um, and bonus, you get some Magic the Gathering players to check it out as well. Sure. Other than that, no, not for me. It's do you why, th- why would I do this one when I can go do a Magic school in Everon? Sure, fair. Right. Fair. Um, and this is not plug and play, right? Like, it's so well developed that you can't just put Strixhaven in Sharn, right? It's just too much. However, I can steal a lot of the minor details out of it all over the place. There's a lot of good flavor and shit. Like, I will totally have a biblioplex in one of my campaigns. That's just cool, big-ass library. Yeah, I I have a big-ass library in my campaign. We just burned it to the ground. So, um, Or rather, we didn't burn it to the ground. You guys noped it out of existence with negative energy and banishment. We can thank Charlie for this. For the negative energy. <laughs> yeah. So, let's jump into the first of them. Lorehold. This is the College of Archaeomancy, which is the study of ancient things via magical means. You're going to learn archaeology, anthropology, paleontology, paleobotany, religion, economics, military history, social and cultural histories, psychology, sociology, and geography. You're going to grab um, undead uh, spirits or witnesses of other previous historical events uh, that are going to be raised up to help teach what happened in the past. Uh, there's going to be dig sites all over the world that are actually um, aligned with Lorehold. And it's all about ancient secrets and unearthing the unknown. Now you get two deans. There's the Dean of Order and the Dean of Chaos. 
they represent the two different sides of this. And Order and Chaos are really looked at um, through the lens of history and time here. Are there historical patterns or just random happenstance? Is time spiraling out into chaos and entropy or returning to a stillness and cosmic order? How are social and cultural constructs able to give order? And is there eventual crumbling a replacement uh, or replacement an act of chaos or order? How do the gods interact with these ideals? How do economies and laws handle such states? Are social classes and familial bonds order or chaos? Do personal actions impact larger tides of history? And how do passionate people affect the courses of culture, history, and society? These are the philosophies behind all this. I could take any one of those and kind of build a campaign around that order versus chaos mentality. That's what I mean. There's a lot of really neat ideas buried in this, mm -hmm. but it's all skimming off the surface of it. So, um... James, grab a D10 and roll it for us. We get a table. Four. Four. On page 14, we have a bunch of different scholars that are listed out. Um, there's actually, I'm not going to get into any of the named NPCs at all, the paragraphs after them. You get a dean, you have both deans, and a couple of like big important, sometimes they're instructors, sometimes they're just faculty members that are associated with each college. But you also get a a public or sorry a uh, random table you rolled a four in according to the order of or the principle of order you have a conservator they are preserving ancient spell knowledge and other relics of the past so this is just an npc idea that you can have dave give me a d10 roll nine tome wielder summoning fiery magic from the worlds in old from the words in old writings this is one of the chaos principles right so they've split it up 50 50 for the two orders so that you kind of get an idea or flavor for both. If they're like, hey, I want to go check out a new class that's based on chaos, you have a table to help you with that, which is fairly useful. Now, this one has a special mascot, and this mascot is called a spirit statue, which is a, a construct that holds the spirit of long-dead historical figure or historian that helps with studies and understanding. They also kind of act as guardians. Um, Lorehold Campus is essentially in a giant chasm that looks like a huge three-way stop. Uh, the area on one side of the chasm looks like flat badlands with little vegetation. And the area on the other side is full of steep mountains that are home to a bunch of star arches that rest at bizarre angles. The massive hole that houses all the buildings was partly natural and partly an old dig site. And the ancient ruins and new buildings that, um, that jut from the walls of the canyon and litter the floor are used as housing, lecture halls, classrooms, and faculty buildings. There are a bunch of bridges that cross the empty span, and everyone has some story about a student or other who had a disastrous misstep on the bridges and plummeted. Sometimes the statue spirits will, will rescue them. Or the spirit statues. Sometimes. 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 They don't always get there in time. Oh. Uh, there's also a lot of statues and monuments all around the campus, and the main area of the campus is so full of them that it's called Effigy Row. So, I'm going to pause at the end of each one of these. How do you guys feel about this as a, as a school? Order and chaos, focus on history and archaeology, and, and using spirits and, and anthropology and, and raising the dead and statues. How does this feel as a, as a wizarding school? Unique, interesting... Interesting. You said chaos in James' eyes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Chaos is great. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Not super unique, I would say, but it is an interesting concept. Yeah, I mean, that's what I think of two opposites. That's kind of one of the, the first go-tos, right? It makes yeah. sense. 
Uh, I like the idea of, uh, how did you phrase it? Archeo... Uh, Archeomancy. I, I like that, right? This is what I mean. Like, a lot of the words are pretty fun. I've skipped a shit ton of them already. Yeah. So there's a bunch of, of stuff like that. But, but I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if, you know, we have spells that are named after people, right? You know, it's Big B's spell yeah. or, you know, Melf's acid arrow or whatever, right? We've got these names, like there's there's clearly a history involved. Why are we not doing anything with that? And clearly a school is a great place to start. I actually, I really like that. That's kind of cool. I Yeah, I also like the idea of, I see, I would take this out of Strixhaven. I would plunk this whole college as a unique university for my players to go find. Go over to this university, go talk to the scholars, find out the history of. You'll end up talking to statues, right, of... of Imagine if you could go to, to Greece and go talk to a actual bust of Plato with the spirit of Plato who could, you know, give you the, the philosophy he was thinking of at the time. Like, that's that's a little wild, right? So there's some neat, flavorful imagery here as well. But that's all that we've got. You can also get more flavor when you dig into, like, oh, if you pick the, the Lorehold character background, right, you'll get some information there. The adventure, you get to kind of tour all of the five different um, campuses so you get flavor there but for the most part that's that's the history that's what everyone needs to know of a lore hold before you start playing now i'm assuming that each school or each college is based on one of the colors from so so that's the meta reasoning okay so the in-world reasoning is that the dichotomy gives us the actual um the wisdom needed to learn about shit yeah right um yes the meta reason is the fact that it's two of the different colors of Magic the Gathering that are slammed together. Yeah, I'm trying to think what to order in Chaos. Like, white is order, but I'm not... Uh, chaos, red, I guess? Red, maybe? Yeah. I think it would be. I think it would be, too, because it's not really... It's not necromancy, no, dark, black, black death, yeah, death. It's not blue. Blue's a little more... Blue's a little chaotic, but it's not... Yeah. Not quite. It's, it's watery. Yeah. Right? It's, it's island, right? So... Well, Yeah. It's more than that. Like, you want to get into, like, some of the really cool spells and stuff in Magic, it's red-blue stuff. So, I just looked it up. Yes, Lorehold is white and red. Yeah. Good on you, Dave. Yeah. yeah. So, the next one that we have is Prismari. I now want to play the game of, Dave, you've got to guess what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, Explain okay, it, cool. and I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll figure it out. Yeah. All right. Um, Prismari is the College of Elemental Arts. It embraces more than just the basic elements of fire, earth, water, and air, but also includes lightning, thunder, heat, cold, and more. With a focus on expression and spectacle, Prismari is all about showy magic giving voice to each student's personal perspective on the world. It doesn't just do visual arts like painting and sculpting, though. It also focuses on music, dance, theater, and other performing arts. It overlaps with Lorehold when it comes to art history, but for the most part, the focus is on using the elements to infuse your art in wild and interesting and evocative ways. Now... The dichotomy here um, that the deans represent are perfection and expression. This is all about the juxtaposition of intelligence and emotion in creative pieces. So the themes are, what is the purpose of art? Can art ever be finished? Is it more important to inspire thoughts or feelings? Should focus on universal truths or personal moments be the key? Perfection is based on technique, aesthetic, theory, and reflective thought pr uh, provocation. It tends to embrace cold, water, and wind. Expression is all about improvisation, innovation, counterculture, and breaking conventional rules of art. They usually use fire, lightning, and earth. 
So, we get some example scholars again. This one was not a d10, this one is a d12. James, why don't you roll a d12 for us? Ten. A ten. Spectacle mage. Hurling stormy displays into the sky. This is one of expression. So, I mean, that makes sense. You'll see, like, the art here for it is all, like, wild and, and chaotic as well. Dave rolls a d12. One. As, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this. Ask the Mancer, studying abstract principles of beauty uh, for insight into the workings of the multiverse. Okay. So all about the aesthetics and whatnot. And casting spells with, a, with aesthetic in mind, but like from an abstract standpoint to inspire abstract thought. The mascot is an art elemental, which mages create from a combination of all of the elements in one single form. It embodies beauty, but also destruction. The art for it is just almost pure chaos in an almost um, like humanoid form that moves around. So it's always swirling, but the form is very still. However, it can absolutely fuck shit up if it interacts with it. The Prismari campus is nestled in a landscape of jagged rocks, earthen spires, and wild geothermal activity. In the very center of the campus is a massive tower called Conjurat Hall that acts as the main hall for Prismari students. There's a turret at the top surrounded by glass that protects the students and faculty from the swirling and ever-changing elemental chaos that uh, surrounds the tower whenever they go up to witness an artistic display by one of the other students. Another point of interest on the campus is Fury Gale, which has been roped off because it's too dangerous. Countless magical art pieces have been abandoned and disposed of there, and now it rages and flexes with contrasting elemental surges gone rogue. But as dangerous as it is, many people find inspiration within its borders, and many students sneak in to duel away from the Strixhaven staff. That's what we have. Uh, there's, a, there's little other details for Prismari. Like, again, we have a whole bunch of staff with a couple of paragraphs each. Um, and we, we always get a map for each one of them as well. But what do you think, Dave? Uh, well, I would, honestly, I've kind of run through the whole list of them. The only one I'm sure that it isn't is, is black. There's no death decay or anything like that there. Uh, I think green is definitely one of them. Um, but I feel like I could probably make an argument for any of the others. Red, you talked about fire and lightning and geothermal. Green and blue is my guess. But I, I was kind of thinking blue as well. Uh, white, it doesn't quite fit. White is more pure, and that's not really what this is. Uh, but blue, I think, has that natural side of it as well. What was this one? Expression and... Uh, and intelligence. Intelligence. Yeah, I'd say I'd say green-blue. It's actually red-blue. Hmm. When red and blue combined, it's just wild elements popping off. There's not a whole lot of, like, earth magic. Earth is one of the elements, but it very much focuses on geothermal, so that's red, and also... I guess it's not as wild as... Yeah. yeah. Next up, we have Quandrix. Now, Quandrix is the College of Numeromancy. Yes, it's math, but it's more than just math. It's about patterns, symmetry, fractals, and how math intertwines with nature. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, okay. Everything from their summons to their robes is full of hidden symmetries, multiplying patterns, and geometrical theories. It's mathematics, physics, logic, statistics, metaphysics, and theoretical subjects, both scientific and magical. Students from other colleges often take Quandrix courses to help understand the deeper theories behind their studies. The two conflicting 
philosophies here are substance and theory, and there is a dean for each. Is math a fundamental constant in the universe or a construct of those who observe the universe? Should scholars and researchers focus on what is or what could be? Is innovation more important than fact? And is the testing of theory more important than the outcome itself? Those who embrace substance explore nature and the universe and the multiverse within the bounds of physical realities that focus on quantifying and altering the world with magic. For example, when they cast Enlarge Reduce, it's from the understanding of linear growth and they cast it as a multiplier of size that already exists. The philosophy of theory, though, leans on the idea that math is not a definition of what is, but rather a lens to be peered through to understand true nature. They use their magics to create illusions of what could be, or what exists in another reality, and approach the enlarge reduce spell as an expression of what could be if this reality wasn't beholden to its current laws of physics. So they can cast the same spell, but from different perspectives. Okay. So, you already look like you're like, alright, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, um, this one has a D8 table for scholars. James, take us away. Five. A metamancer studying metaphysics to alter reality. This is all about theory. So, you're looking at the multiverse and the metaphysics behind it, and how can we fuck up reality to my own? That's very you, actually. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, roll a D8. Six. Uh, this is a scale druid. Manipulating the size of plants and animals. It's all about substance. Also very Dave. Yeah. Um, their mascot is, is called the Fractal Mascot. And uh, it is essentially a living equation. It is artificial life that is spawned from magic imbuing mathematics to create shimmering, nearly translucent patterns of shifting, living, geometrical patterns. They look like glass, and a lot of times you won't even see them as, as they move slowly. But they are a, a perfect prism that's always shifting and changing. The Quandrix campus is surrounded by deep, rich woods full of life and swirling streams and rivers that manifest in strange ways when they get to the campus grounds, often becoming impossibilities like cubic fountains, towers of solid water, or arcing aqueducts that seem to flow through the air. Taurus Hall is at the center, and it's an always-changing 3D grid of moving and recalculating walkways and ramps that lead to slowly shifting chambers within. It's always evolving and recombining its space, and rumor has it that if you loiter too long, you might end up in a space that is slowly turning itself inside out. Fun. There's also the Arithmodrome. <laughs> yeah, like, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. Which is not where you go to math battle. It's actually a 10 by 10 by 10 cube of water. Um, but if you enter it, the, there is an endless space inside that can accommodate any theor uh, theoretical equation or multiversal mathematics, and you can just kind of break the universe inside, however you see fit. How do we feel about this one? Overly complicated. Is it? It sounds... Yeah. I, I feel like there's a very specific kind of D&D &D player. Like, I could sucker Dan into this shit pretty easily, but I would straight up fucking lose half of my table. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have no interest in... No. Like, this, this is really neat. It's really cool. It's very interesting. It would be neat to see it pop up, but I personally don't want anything. You guys are not the math nerds at the table. No. 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 How did you feel about the, the artistry from the Prismari College? Not my cup of tea, but interesting. Yeah. I can absolutely f come up with new and interesting ways to to use elements to to f 
have a flourish to art, like gusts of winds to help in theater or imbuing pottery with flames. Like, I can do shit like that. Well, think of like a living art gallery. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, like, yeah. that's that's yeah. interesting and fun. Dave, for con- for Quandrix, what do you have for... For the colors for on the it? For the colors. Uh, green. This is more natural. Yeah. And probably blue, I would say. Yeah, yeah. it's green-blue. Yeah. I was playing the Magic the Gathering Arena when Strixhaven came out, and yep. so I got a lot of these cards, and, like, there's a bunch of just straight-up things called Quandrix whatever, it's all green-blue. Sure. Um, strangely, it's all about, like, redrawing cards as well, which I guess makes sense because it's all math-based. So you're manipulating your deck more than anything else. I said deck. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, Jesus. I mean, that, that tracks. I mean, one of the most powerful kinds of decks is a blue-black deck. Um, it's a milling deck. And the idea yeah. is to just get them... Because if you run out of cards, you lose, right? Yeah. So the idea is that it's just all spells. Make the other guy discard seven cards at a time. Or Yeah, this one is all hunt through the deck to find the card you're looking for, reshuffle, mm-hmm. right? Put your discard pile back in the deck. Like, you're just changing reality over and over again. So, um, the next college is called Silver Quill. This is the College of Eloquence, the magic of words. I don't like it already. Spoken word battle poetry is a thing here. I hate it. Yeah. So it's slam poetry. Um, uh, no, battle poetry. Uh, did you see Sandman? Where Sandman fights Lucifer? No. Oh, shit. You haven't seen Sandman? You'd fucking like it. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, the Netflix. Yeah. yeah. No, I didn't see it. You should watch it. You, you would like it. Anyway, the other thing um, that, like, for flavor here is people can, like, write words in the air with magical ink as well. Um, Silver Quill students often end up in leadership roles due to their sharp wit, quick minds, and obsessive attitudes. This is going to be the one that's all about debating. It has to do, if it has to do with words, Silver Quill is the place to learn about it. Literature, fiction, nonfiction, poetry, essays, but also like languages, linguistics, orating, rhetoric, and dramatic performances are all taught here. Silver Quill and Prismari often go hand in hand in the performing arts as every play needs a script and lyrics need music and beats. The two deans here, the Dean of Radiance and the Dean of Shadow. For Silver Quill students, Radiance and shadow are metaphors about the sides of communication and enlightenment. For example, do we communicate to enlighten others or to serve our own selfish purposes? Do we write literature to better society and expand other people's horizons or because we need our personal thoughts to have form? Students and scholars who write and speak from a place of radiance use their words and magics to enlighten others and move society forward, shedding light on evil and inspiring those around them. Those who focus on shadow use words to cut at those who oppose them, expose truths people might want to keep unspoken, and twist things around to obscure facts and truths. While radiance manifests as sunlight and color, shadow manifests as blades or ink that drains life away. We get another D8 table. James, do you want to roll? Seven. Um, this would be a scholar of vainglory, wielding the power of perfectly crafted compliment, to enhance a person's best quality, which is radiance. Dave, what do you got? Oh, I was there in the Yukon, right? Five. Five. Uh, you guys are always hitting the opposites, which is really nice on this. It's the Scholar of Shadewing, forming weapons from darkness to slice and stab at foes. Yeah, this is white-black. Uh, yes, it yeah. very much is white-black. Yeah. yeah. The mascot is called an inkling, which is funny, because the play on words. You get an inkling and it's all about... Anyway. Um... Inklings are squelching, flying black oozes that are actually just, like, literally made of ink. And uh, 
They float around and they can be used as an endless inkwell, a muse for lonely students, or allies in battle. They're the ones that are specifically called out as like, these guys get into battle to blind the opponents with like sprays of ink and shit. Are so. they also what the players are called in that Splatoon game? Inkling? I think so. You ever play that game? Yeah, I know the game you're talking about. It's a lot of fun. It's just essentially paintball, but you're squids, and you got to cover the map with paint. Uh, and oh, if you, if your fuck, team, I played that. Yeah, if your team gets more What's it called again? Splatoon. All right, cool, all right. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. Then if there's ink, your color, you can like dive and swim through your color of ink. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, back, to, back to Silver Quill for a minute. The mo- this is the most urban of the college campuses. Um, it appears to almost be an extension of Central Campus, with large buildings made of beautiful and stately architecture. Grand Loft Hall is the main building, and it sports acoustic marvels, vaulted ceilings, balconies, booths, dioceses, and stages, and other places for public speaking. Inklings fly around the rafters, light pours in from strategically placed windows, and enchanted spotlights illuminate anyone who casts powerful magic. There is also a massive circular stage in an auditorium called the Rose Stage. But the unique thing here is that A, uh, its main platform rotates, and B, the backdrop is made up of magical roses of black ink, which are arcane remnants of roses thrown by previous audiences, and they make a uniquely perfect acoustic scenario based on your needs. The Rose Stage is more than just a performance space, though. It's also a place for practice, spectacles, and duels. The Dromarium is a unique gym for training for fitness, dance, and martial arts, as well as a series of rooms that act as mirrored rehearsal spaces, makeup salons, rehearsal booths for voice actors and orators, and uh, spa facilities, including a sensory deprivation chamber for perfect meditation conditions. You ever done that? Yeah, I have. Yeah, have you? No. No, me neither. Is it any good? Uh, um, yeah, you got to be good with yourself before you do it. Oh, never then. I'm not big on meditation. I took meditation classes one time with an ex-girlfriend years ago, and we we had a good time with it, but I don't think that I was ever truly like in that perfect meditative state, right? So um, clearing your mind is good. Breathing deep is great. I didn't need the religion shoved down my throat, but that was part and parcel with that particular class. And I'm glad I did that before I had the opportunity to do a um, one of these sensory deprivation chambers. Because you just float there and think, you, you try to ignore the water in your ears. That was the most distracting thing for me. Um, but you'll start to hallucinate and shit too, just if you're out there floating in the darkness. And it's not easy to shake. Like, you, you don't have a touchstone to work on. It's just your own brain. So I can imagine that if your brain is like, hey there's going to be a face in front of you and it's a skull and it's bleeding from the eye sockets and telling you that you should die. That would be a bad fucking time, right? It's just like, I don't recommend mushrooms to people that are seriously fucked up in the first place, right? Like, you could have a bad day. So, same same kind of idea here. How do you guys feel about Silver Quill College? It seems the more relevant of most of those to be used expanded beyond the college. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the just like the juxtaposition of white and black together is one of my more favorite um, like combinations just in the magic setting, just because of what they represent. And they're so, I mean, opposite from each other, yet they work so, so well together. It's interesting because it's white and black in this situation is not life and death, and it usually is. Yeah, no, not right? even. Right, which I yeah. really like that, right? So, um also, I'm like a lit nerd, so this appeals to me particularly because it's all writing and speaking and shit, which I like. But I, 
I feel like this is one of those ones where you can tell which, which one the favorite was for the people that were writing this. Again, I think the white and black just writes itself. Like, it's just the theme that is the easiest to handle. Yeah. You know? I also like the Inklings quite a bit. I think they're neat and flavorful. More than the other ones, the other ones like, I'll forget about. Um, but the Inklings will stick with me for a couple of weeks. After In this my head, they're all roughly bat-shaped. Just bats flying around. We actually get, bats. We get stat blocks for every single one of them. Oh, cool. Yeah, and they're all pretty low-powered. But here, I'll give you. A, I'll show you the picture of the Inkling. If you are listening at home, you should look it up. It's a CR one quarter. Oh, it's just like a. It's just it's an ooze. It's a floating hmm. ooze. It's it's just an ink blot with a face. Yeah. Right. They're all a little cartoony. They're all a little neat. But like the bestiary at the back of the book only has like six or seven monsters and everything else is a student or a teacher or a founder dragon or a mascot just uh when you look at it there's the art elemental it's red blue that's kind of neat looking too yeah okay like i say, the art in this is really good but that's the benefit of magic the gathering right so so that brings us to our last one which is called witherbloom college this is the College of Essence Studies, which is a subtle way of saying life and death. I was going to say, hold on, this is green-black, right? Um, yeah. Witherbloom? Yeah, that's that's green-black. Yeah. yeah. Um, this uses natural components to create... Um, or Sorry, people here use natural components to create their spells. This is about healing and harming the living, or raising or appeasing the dead. It's all about the swelling of life or the decay of death. Defense against pollution... Or celebration of rot. Whether it's inspiration is the positive plane or the negative plane, the main focus of Witherbloom is botany, biology, medicine, chemistry, ecology, the magic surrounding life and death, and the manipulation of both. From treating diseases to enslaving zombies to nurturing creatures to poisoning plant life and everything in between, this college is all about the mirroring concepts of growth and decay. It also sometimes crosses over with Quandrix's studies and analyses of patterns in nature as well. We get two deans, um, and again, this is more metaphorical, the dean of the root and the dean of the vein. Vein being like a blood vein, not not being vein. Uh, The dichotomy is simple. Is growth the driving force in nature, or is decay the driving force in nature? Those who embrace the school of the root... Focus on how life adapts and diversifies and survives in unique and complex ways. Propagation and reproduction are in the very nature of all living things in the multiverse, and these are essential principles of existence itself. Healing and growth are celebrated. Vain, however, is about decay and the inevitability of death and destruction. Nothing lasts forever, and life is beautiful in its impermanence. The name of Vain is actually a historical throwback within the world, um, to acknowledge that there are a lot of vampires in Witherbloom and their traditional methods of drinking are in direct opposition with the philosophies of growth and life. Energy is a resource for consumption for those who adhere to the ways of the vein, and negative energy and necromancy are the tools of the trade here. Let's roll another D8 for different kinds of scholars. Six. Of uh, growth. Uh, the scholar is an earth croucher. Connecting directly with the land to power nature magic. Pretty straightforward. That's the first double. Reroll, Dave. Seven. Um, we get Leaf Binder. Using medicinal herbs to soothe wounds. Yeah, been there. Nope, that's different. Oh, my um, uh, I'm going to pick one of the Decay just 
at random here. Um, Bleed Doctor. Drain the essence of living creatures to fuel sinister spells. Lovely. Yeah. And they teach this at school. Um, the mascot here is just simply called Pest. It is a pest mascot. Uh, it is a ferret-sized, fanged, purple-colored worm with five sets of legs and spikes all over their backs. These monstrosities are actually harvested from the nearby bayou and kept as pets and fuel for magics. Fuel. Huh. Pets and fuel. Yeah, the students will keep them as pets, and like, this one is mine, this is my pet. But they're nasty bastards that just attack everything, so it's like... It's like if you have, like, a scorpion pet, right? But they're the size of a ferret. Um, the teachers and some older students will use them to, to cast spells and suck the life out of this to imbue my spell for that. So, the main feature of the Witherbloom campus is actually the landscape itself, which is the swamp known as Sedgemoor. It's full of dangerous animals and plant life and monsters and zombies and is teeming with spell components and potion ingredients. Widdershins Hall is a bog mansion that might have been grown instead of constructed. It's a huge network of wooden pods connected by planked walkways that head in all directions like a disorganized web. Apparently, it's pretty cozy and nice inside. There's also an unpleasant marsh nearby that's used as punishment for, for misbehaving students. Faculty members can be found holding detention there or just scrounging for spell components as well. And that's what we have about Witherbloom. So, clearly, black and green, yeah. How do you feel about this, James? Reminds me of Nurgle from 40k, the plague god. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, the whole time I'm hearing it, like, this just sounds like Nurgle. It's like all of Nurgle's business. <laughs> plague and decay and the growth of that. This is going to be great for your circle of spores, druid, and shit, too, right? Like, there's a lot. Yeah, I feel like you're going to have shambling mounds kicking around here. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Like, one might be, a, like, a instructor, even, right? Like... If you want to get crazy enough with it. Um, I think that this is a specifically green-black and not black-green, though. Yes. Just as a, a quick idea, our listed faculty members here, uh, the deans are a neutral good human and a neutral vampire. There is no evil here. That's the big thing. You're not going to get a good and evil dichotomy. It's all used for good. I just don't think how you could have an evil side here, right? Yeah. We also get two treants, another human, and a dryad. But, like, they're cool because it's the Gloom Summoner and the Arcanobiologist. And there's just a lot of really cool... Oh, you get a troll in here as well. He's the Master Chef. So, so that's it for the campuses. But, once you start the adventure in the book, you learn quickly that there are a couple of other aspects to life on campus. There are NPCs who might become friends that give you boons or rivals that hurt you in social settings. There's also an extensive list of extracurricular options. These extracurriculars list two skills, an NPC, and a brief explanation of what you're going to be up to outside of class. You get to have up to two. For each extracurricular, you actually get a mechanical bonus, which is a D4 that you can roll once per long rest to help with one of the skills that are associated with the extracurricular. You don't have to be proficient with these skills to get the benefit of the D4. For example, if you joined the Fantastical Horticulture Club, you can add a D4 to Nature or Survival. The Dragon Chess Club gets D4s for Deception and Investigation. There are 16 extracurriculars, so there's a lot of options. Okay. And if you'd like, you can get a job on campus by replacing one of your extracurriculars. You can't have more than one job, though. The benefit of working instead of uh, an extracurricular is that you get five gold pieces per week that you work, 
which is absolutely insane considering what a commoner makes. Yeah, that's good money. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there are a list of locations at the university in the book, and each location comes with a variety of jobs and a co-worker with whom you might get to know over time. There's more gamification and rule sets like how to cheat, what happens if you succeed or fail at cheating. Uh, there are also rules for something called relationship points, which is just a way to track friends and rivals. It even gets into nurturing these relationships to make best friends, close friends, and romantic partners. It also gets into how to uh, navigate breakups and what that does to you mechanically. Um, and then the book hits you with a wide variety of NPC students, including what extracurriculars they have, the jobs, if any, social bonuses, uh, and detractors, based on whether or not you've pissed them off or befriended them, and brief background. One of my criticisms of the book is the fact that it gives you a shit ton. Like I said before, it's like multicultural. You get Dompiers, Loxodons, Minotaurs, Dwarves, Owlin, Dryads, Gnomes, and Genasi, and all sorts of humans and even more shit. But you don't get breakdowns of what those fucking things are in this book. If you don't have the book for, like, if you don't have the Ravenloft book, you won't know what a Dompier is. And it never breaks it down for you. It just assumes that you will know this. But they're all just NPCs that are given, right? So I've got a couple of questions. Let's roll dice for the last time in this episode. Okay. Not 20. Jesus. Five. And a 16. All right, Dave. Yeah. Strixhaven. Yeah. Better or worse than you were expecting when you were coming in blind? Um, better. Why? Because I think I didn't give it much of a chance, but there's actually some pretty complex neat ideas going on. Uh, the different colleges have a lot going on in there. I, again, I, I said that I hated it, but I keep going back to the numero... Yeah. Mancy or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, Numeromancy. And, uh, like, that's just... I feel like that could really... I've got a friend who is just, you know, borderline Rain Man about numbers. Sure. And I think that, the, like, that specifically would <laughs> tickle his whatever... Fancy? You... <laughs> yeah. To, yeah. Um, what... Uh, are you more interested in playing in the setting now or stealing from it anyway as a DM? Absolutely not. I didn't want to go to school when I was in school. Why would I do it now? <laughs> Hearts, like, yeah, yeah. Ha, 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 funny, but I ain't joking. Like, yeah. I think it's like that's legitimately my my concern. Like, yeah, role playing whether or not you got your homework done on time is not fun. Let me tell you, we're we're using Candlekeep right now for our Thursdays, and that's as it's a it's a giant library, so it's it's university adjacent. It's still scholarly, right? Yeah, and it's just fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but that's because it's just background flavor, and we're dealing with the acolytes that are running around, right? So it's it's easy to do. I think Strixhaven just is Candlekeep with more steps, but I also think that it... And more structure. Like, it, yeah. it, there's a driving force behind shit. Go to class, do the things. The actual adventure itself that's in here spans four years of university. Chapter, I think it's three, is like year one. Here's the shit to do. By the way, here are four things that have to happen during year one. When you're ready, pop this off. And they leave it totally like there's a bunch of other shit to do and sounds like a call class campaign. Yeah, a little bit like you can you can really zoom out or zoom in on daily life here um, as much as you would like. Oh god, I'd hate that. Year two is the same kind of method. Here's the shit that's going on. It is kind of like again taking taking a page from the book of Harry Potter here. Voldemort was always up to shit. However, it was like really subtle things in the background for a while that might not make sense. But then in year four, it all pops off. There's one person who is sabotaging Strixhaven in little ways and in very different ways. And you're trying to figure out 
who it is and why. And there are clues that are dropped. And like, the, it's it's not dumb. It's not bad. It's just not my shit, right? Like, I don't... I like Strixhaven, the setting. I'm not going to play this adventure. I don't give a fuck. No. No, about, about school, right? So, James, how do you feel about... Like, before you walked into the room, is this better or worse than your expectations? Better than when I walked into this room, but it's a lot easier to be better than zero. Yeah. Honestly, like I say, I uh, I was dreading running this episode. I did not want to do the research because I did not give a shit. And I was playing Magic the Gathering Arena with these cards, and I did not give a shit. Um, doing the research here, a lot of neat ideas. I could have a couple of those philosophical arguments with people about like the nature of art, or is math a constant of the universe or a lens with, in which to view the universe? Yeah, yeah, I could totally get drunk and have a rant with somebody about that, right? That feels like sitting around a campfire, everybody gets a little bit baked and everyone waxes poetic about it. That seems like an evening I would have. However, I don't need to like put that in my D&D. <laughs> no, I don't want to revisit that weekly. No, no. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, Dave, which of the colleges interest you the most? Hmm. Um, I think probably uh, the red-blue, the Pris, Prismari. Pr- Prismari? Prismari, yeah. The, uh, I just... Uh, that all comes from my my Magic the Gathering background. I think that Red Blue just had the most potential for having some really wild magic. Yeah, and I don't mean and wild magic no, no. in the mild magic but, sense. But I also feel like wild magic would pop off there as well. Oh, like, absolutely, it could. Right, there are color combinations that didn't come up, and what happens when that does? Yeah, right. There's a there's a book series that I've read called the Lightbringer series, where uh, essentially there there are people who can cast one kind of color of magic and you know blue is pliable green is sturdy red is brittle whatever you want to call it and then there's the, the one overarching guy the prism who's can do everything right so sure. it really gives me these vibes as well which i really appreciate yeah uh, it's kind of neat what happens when the when they mesh differently you know okay. when you get those those combinations that don't really show up what happens you know but yeah no red blue i think just there's more more potential for experimentation and and kerfuckery yeah. As a player, right? I honestly feel like as a DM, I could take any one of those and drop it in my world and run about two sessions of exploring, talking to NPCs, figuring out if I take the going to school out of it as a setting with these interesting NPCs, with these generalized themes. Yes, I absolutely would have fucking fun with it. Silver Quill is clearly my jam. But I can find a use for Lorehold, talking about the histories of the world, or Prismari, okay, it's a commune of artists over there that are focusing on elemental magics, and that's not shit I'm going to see anywhere else in D&D. It is shit I'm going to see in other places, though, and so, um, James, do you have, like, which one's your favorite? Uh, same to Dave, the Prismari one's the more interesting of them all, but once again, I wouldn't want to play in this setting. Yeah. And even introducing it for a session or two, it'd be very dependent on the party you're with. I would have paid you for white red just because you know the chaos and yeah, the order versus chaos. Yeah, order's the issue. Clearly, <laughs> I'd rather go for a death chaos well, mix to you're get the double liner job. Right, see what happens when you mix the wrong colors together. Red black, you get James, and that's no good. No, no, that that's no good. That's great for me. <laughs> what is uh, all right? What's what what's Dave. Me? Yeah, you are green. Blue. 
Green blue, yeah. which is odd because it's Quandrix and that didn't interest you in the least. No, not really. No, but like overall green blue, absolutely. Yeah. All right, what am I then? I mean red. I mean, besides the fact that I'm ginger. I, well, no, like I mean, even then, like it, you know, large and it, it, <laughs> explosive. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean that that way. Jesus, Dave. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just like this. This this is an eye-opening wake-up <laughs> call for me. Uh, oh, really? Uh, the uh, oh fuck. <laughs> Oops, um, it's it's just, it's bigger than life, right? Like it's 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 got big ideas. It's it's explosive. It's grandiose. It's it's mastermindy. It's thought provoking. It's sure you know it, like that's sure you know yeah yeah. Lorehold also interests me as well in a big way. So. Yeah. Do we have any final thoughts uh, before we cut to our last ad break? As most of these, especially these newer campaigns coming out, it's very party dependent. Yeah. Um, do you like it? Okay, here's my here's my last thought. Um, this or Spelljammer? Because they're both so specific. Uh, I mean, Eberron. Easy. That wasn't one of the options, Dave. Oh, it always is when I'm when I'm the <laughs> one playing. Uh, I no, I, I've I've seen Wizard schools. Give me Wizards in space every day. Sure. All right. Yeah. I don't know much about Spelljammer, but I would do Wizards in Space first. Honestly, of the Magic the Gathering settings, this one is the weakest for me. Ravnica and Theros are so much more flavorful. Well, they're so. just so strong. Yeah. Right? Even compared to other non-Magic settings, Ravnica and Theros are quite strong. Yeah. Um, Strixhaven is neat, but it is not something I'm adding to my library nope. in the first three quarters of the books, right? Uh, that being said, there's some cool shit in there. And as a DM, if you catch us on a bundle on D&D Beyond, yeah, man, flip through it. It's pretty neat. The mascots alone are pretty cool and interesting as well, right? Yeah. Well, then let's cut to an ad break. If you've been inspired by the conversation in this episode, please feel free to reach out and share your creativity and ideas with us and the rest of the community. You can reach us on Facebook and Instagram or on our subreddit r slash it's a mimic also, if you're feeling particularly generous, please follow and subscribe and leave us positive reviews, likes and comments. Engagement like that help us pop up on search engines and keep the show running. Final thoughts and inspiration? Strixhaven is a good addition to the overall landscape of Dungeons and Dragons. You can't really talk about wizards without talking about wizarding schools and about universities. And not just like the spell schools, but like going to learn this shit somewhere. This is not a bad addition to it. Um, also, they went multicultural and not the like hobgoblins learn magic here, which they could have done. A lot of uh, Forgotten Realm shit is like this specific kind of person learns magic in this specific location. Um, like the drow are over here and humans are over there and elves. You don't go learn at an elf, an elven uh, wizarding school if you're a dwarf. Strixhaven kind of brings it all together and it's got something for everybody, but it's also so surface level, right? That I'm doing a lot of heavy lifting as a DM to make this shit feel lived in. Yeah, I think this, I said before, maybe for new players, but I think this is for an experienced DM with new players. Yeah. Right, this is, it gives you a little bit of flavor. The DM can kind of hit those plot points as he wants uh, and then, you know, move on to the next thing. Uh, keeps it wide open. It lets the players maybe make a couple of the, I don't want to say mistakes because it's hard to make mistakes, but, you know, when you're in a sandboxed kind of world, there are mistakes you can make. Yeah. Right, and it's a little more forgiving from that aspect. So, yeah. yeah. James, final thoughts? 
Yeah, as Dave was saying, it's very good for an old DM with new, younger players, as you were saying earlier, like yeah. kids in high school, even in middle school, depending on their teachers and all that kind of stuff. This campaign feels very much less of the general murder hobo yeah. goal of D&D, as it seems to be nowadays. Well, let's not, let's not leave that out entirely. Well, no, I'm not saying out entirely, but it, as it's read, it seems much more... There's, there's still you like... You pull your final punch, because there's duels, not battles to the death. But it does talk about the Inklings are willing to jump into combat. It talks yes. about students falling to their deaths off the bridge. But it also and... stated that the students had to go hide for a certain type of dueling, meaning duels to the death aren't common. You have sure. to be hidden away, so there are common rules to dueling throughout the school. And if you want to go beyond that, you need to be sneaky. One of the things that I think annoys me with this is that there are all sorts of spellcasters and it does not address clerics or druids or rangers or arcane tricksters. There's no room for warlocks here. Everyone's a wizard. Yeah, but that's magic for you. Magic yeah. the Gathering. Not magic. I'm talking capital M magic. Yeah. It's just limiting. Like, every one of your players is going to be that. And, like, the other thing about it is I'm going to pick being a paladin, but where am I ever going to smite anything in this? Yeah. Right? Like, your your classes are built almost entirely upon combat mechanics. There's very little combat here. So, you can pick paladin if you want, but What's the level progression? It's like level 1 to 10, or? It is. It should say on the front of that. It says on the back. Levels 1 to 10. Also, it does it by milestones, and it very clearly says... Um, once you have completed this exam, you've gone to this place, it, it's year three and you've gone here, level up. Okay. So it really is left open to you as a DM to to explore this however the players want to explore it. I feel like if they're big into midweek or they want to email you details about what they're doing between classes, you could be like, hey, in the month of April, you guys all have this and this and this to do. Remember, there's an exam at the end. What do you guys want to do in April? And you can almost gamify it and codify it without ever playing D&D. And then just use a D20 set to make the necessary rolls and move on. Right? It it does not feel Dungeons & Dragons. I'd be really interested to see if it's even possible to be a class here. That's actually kind of one of the questions I... Or reasons I asked about the level progression. Because if it was a level 10 to 20 adventure or 5 to 15 or something, I could see you coming in with your... Your paladin powers, your lay on hands, but now you're trying to become a wizard. You're cross classing. Yeah. How does that work out, right? Like you can, I can see that, but level one to ten kind of makes it less so. How, like, what, what's your reasoning for being a fighter already here? Well, I, that's just it. Like, I don't think you are already a fighter. Like, you, everyone is level one wizard because you have to multi class out of that, right? Like, by the time that you're done, I think you're level three by the time you're done year one, right? So, like, you do three levels in Wizard, so you get your, your subclass. And then you can multi-class from there when you choose your college. I'm going to go Lore Hold, so I'm probably a College of Lore Bard. Or I could be a Paladin because they're all about history and chivalry. And maybe I'm looking into ancient relics for whatever. Like, I can figure it out from there. But I'm probably not going Warlock. I'm probably not going Sorcerer. Like, it, it just feels a little odd, right? It doesn't quite mesh. Feels like a shoehorn. I feel like Sorcerer yeah. could be fun. Yeah. Well, that's what Charlie's doing right now. He is from Strixhaven. His character 
is from Strixhaven, and he is a bard sorcerer who flunked out of Strixhaven and is masquerading as a wizard that's just on vacation. It's a terrible place to vacation. <laughs> no, 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 like, um, he he was supposed to, like, he was on, uh, what sort I'm looking for? Sabbatical. No, he was on, um, like, he was suspended, and, uh... Super secret Omega probation? Well, his, his... Is that what it's called? Uh, his wizard dads took him away, uh, right, to, like, refocus on vacation, and they fell through a portal, and they can't get back, but, like... It happens. Yeah, but... So that's all for this discussion on Strixhaven in 5th edition. Make sure that you subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Thank you for listening to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, a store with some It's a Mimic merch and a Patreon. This episode and others can also be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and most other podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to the It's a Mimic podcast where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Please check the show notes for this episode to see links, time codes, and credits. And don't forget to reach out and share your own inspirations. I have not seen anything since the fucking third one, I guess. So I'm I haven't on. seen one since two. Oh, well, don't judge it on the second mission. No, the second mission possible is bullshit. Yeah. It's so potentially the, the, the one of the worst ones. The third one's not great, but they kind of get better and better again. The the last one with, what's it, the Henry Cavill, where they had he had the mustache and they had to edit out the mustache. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah he fucked up Man of Steel for it. Yeah. Or... Batman v Superman, I guess. Whatever it was, yeah. Sure. And I think it was Justice League. Actually, yeah, I think it was Justice League. Yeah. Who really cares? Yeah, right. But uh, yeah, no, it was it was good. This was what number seven? I think Mission Impossible number seven. Holy shit! That's part really one of the last far? one. Like they said, this is the last last hurrah. last two. Yeah. Yeah. Last Mission Impossible hurrah or Tom Cruise hurrah? Mission Impossible Mission hurrah. Tom Cruise is gonna go forever. That man. Has been saved by Xenu and has yeah. and has mechanical parts. Well, it, no, sure. it's it's kind of cool. They kind of like wrap up some stuff that was lingering from some of the, like multiple previous movies. Like it's, I don't mind when they do that when they've got obvious plot holes. They're going to go back and just like it's not so much plot holes. It's just like yeah, yeah you know that character over there we never saw again. This one over here, yeah, this, yeah, stuff yeah like that. Uh, that technology we used in the fourth one and never saw again. Shit like that. Yeah. They've done that in about three different um, Fast and Furious movies. That's the next series I should be getting into. Fuck yeah. They're like... I missed the most recent one in the theaters. I missed the recent one in the theaters, but I've seen all the other ones. And it's, they're fucking ridiculous. I think the next combo here is the Barbenheimer. Thursday, Miek and I are going to go see So Tomorrow. We're going to go see Oppenheimer, and then something afterwards. It's not Barbie. And then Friday, we're going to go see Barbie. Yeah. I feel we're going to see after Oprah. Indiana Jones. Might be. I saw one of the best Barbie theories I've heard so far. That Barbie series is part of the warp from 40K. They're all owned by the same people, mm. right? Like Yeah. yeah. The warp is a, play, a dimension of dreams and feelings, essentially, which is Barbie land. So Barbie land is within the warp. There we go. Hot damn. Yeah. Before the 
gods of chaos. Well, we were talking about all the Hasbro, Mattel, Wizards of the Coast crossovers before. The idea of the Power Rangers... Because of the because the Transformers movie, yeah. if that's the movie you're going to see, it's fucking not. don't. Oh, I'm going to probably see it after yes, Mexico's you home. absolutely should uh, see it. But I know it's bad. It's it's fine until until that terrible Easter egg. Yeah. Okay. See you next time.